Eliminate threat. I pull the sun from the sky to freeze the future of time and drift as one through the Cyberpunk Edge Runners, Episode 2, entitled Like a Boy. This episode starts right where the last one, last one ended, with David, get, David getting ready to chrome the fuck up. Ripper Doc tries to talk him out of it and says that David doesn't have the build to handle the tech. He then decides, eh, fuck it, I'll do it. He removes both his hands, yeah, and selects a different pair of hands, and tells David when he comes back crying asking Doc to remove the tech, then the Doc will be able to get the tech for free. We get a quick sequence of Doc cutting David's back open and implanting the tech into his back, all while David is biting down on a bit and crying in pain, and also bleeding. A lot. David walks to the academy, his back covered in blood, and his robo-teacher marks him tardy. He walks straight up and kicks Katsuo out of his chair, and then punches him in the face. Katsuru starts up his tech and starts his fast punching towards David, but he gets no reaction on David, and he uses his super speed to circle around and punch Katsuo right into a wall. Katsuo tells David his, his uh, nose is broken, and David leaves, and then he uses his super speed to run back home to Flash. What a way to start the second episode. I particularly like the fact that we have sort of established that certain tech does certain things, obviously. You have, uh, David has the ability to have super speed. That was one of the big things, and, and it's specifically the spinal tech that was on the, the second lieutenant. And you've got, of course, Katsuo and his, like, super fast punching. So, yeah. Mr. Tanaka a high-ranking member of the Araska Corporation and father of Katsuo, is shown a video of the attack. He asks why he's being shown a video of his son getting his ass kicked, and someone runs down who David is and informs Tanaka that he notices how David moves, and he will see that he is using the Sandesian implant that 2nd Lieutenant James Norris had been equipped with. The person says that David is not showing any side effects and might be a good candidate to try out what they've been working on. Tanaka says to bring David in and entice him with promises of financial aid. As for Katsuo, it's time he learned what it meant to serve the, the company's best interest. That's sort of the last we get of Katsuo, but at least for this episode, I doubt it's going to be the last we see of him in the series. It's rather interesting to see that Katsuo is... Very much a bully, while his dad is probably uh, a bully as well. So, and uh, an even bigger one than Katsuo is. David gets a call from the principal who tells him he is expelled, but Mr. Tanaka's parents call to request, and then David hangs up. He then takes a shower and sits bare ass in front of the washing machine. With his clothes now clean, he heads out and goes back to the same places he walked past in the first episode except this time he looks rather depressed. It's a good parallel. 
just to show that everything around him is just kind of white noise at this point. When before he was kind of like uh, observing people, you know, in their jack-up machines and people getting beat up and things like that and actually like having a reaction to it. And this time he's just completely numb to it. He sees the woman with white hair again, and this time sees that she is taking chips out of people's heads, slots essentially. And this woman apparently has the ability to like eject those out of people's heads without touching them. And then she kind of catches them behind them. And uh, obviously we know what's happening here. She's taking these so that she can turn them into BD chips. And hopefully there's something usable on them. David's own ship ejects. And as it flies back towards woman's hand, he swings around in super speed and catches her hand. David says she's nothing but a chip thief, and the woman caresses his face and then spins him around and slams him into the wall before scanning him. She says that he is in trouble because he's carrying a Sandesian on him, and the woman offers to team up with him and explains that she isn't just a thief, and right now she only hits Araska suits. David questions why hit him, since he doesn't look like a corporate thug, and she says, ah, well, my scan picked up your Araska school ID. So the woman tells her, uh, tells him that she can join forces with him, and she tells him that they will split everything 80-20. She gets more because not only does she have to move the cleft shards, but she also has a trainee to take care of. David says he is really tight on Eddie's right now, and asks for 60-40, but they settle on 70-30. And the woman introduces herself as Lucy. They call each other and set up a mark on the train. David sweeps past them and nabs his chip, and Lucy has him do the same thing to five other people on a train. She then has him go after a big sumo guy, and then having gotten everyone's chips on the train, they bail. Lucy says he is well worth the 20%, which he reminds her is actually 30%. She tells him that they need to find another spot someone has most likely tipped off the police, and then David's nose starts to bleed, and he straight up passes out. We sort of knew this was coming. He, the doc one, isn't a very good doctor. Two, we we could kind of tell that David was not going to be able to just like easily use this tech and have no problems with it. David wakes up with an oxygen mask on his face. And a black woman is claiming that he isn't taking any precautions with his new tech and asks what immunosuppressant he is on. They ask David if he's insured, and of course he is not. Lucy asks him what pills he takes, and David's like, pills? We see that they're in an ambulance when they drive past the hospital. Lucy asks what's going on, and the woman holds a gun to David's head, saying that he has an implant on him that will fetch her a few K. Lucy says that they have to to change the plans, and he's back to getting 20%. She then kicks the gurney that David is on into the woman, then kicks the ambulance door open, hops on top of David, and they fly out the back of the ambulance, and Lucy rides David down the road. David stares up at her as she's just having a blast flying through the, the highway, and she drops her heels down and stops the gurney. She looks back, and David has puked all over himself and he asks her to take him to Ripper Docks. It was a, a cool scene, and it's 
it's interesting to see that they're able to they're able to adequately get across that David is like making gaga eyes at her in a like 2D anime which is great and it's it's not an easy thing to do that it's not over the top either it's like it's just a sustained kind of look and him just kind of staring down the camera and you knowing like oh he is completely falling in love with this chick Doc asks him how many times he has used the Cevizian implant, and he says, about eight. Doc says grown-ass man cannot even take that punishment. And Lucy asks why he is not in your beds, and the Doc's like, I didn't think you needed him. She hands him something that we don't see, and asks how many days of meds this will buy them. And the Doc says, two days. Doc gives him the option to have him take it off of his hands, of course. Free. And he tells David he gets maybe two or three times a day max, or his implant is going to scramble his brains. David questions if a single implant can really turn you cybercycle, and Doc says it can. So, as I talked about last episode with the second lieutenant being a cyberpsycho, I knew we were going to get more information on it. And here it is. Like, it's always been kind of an understanding that if you have too much tech on you, it can make you go insane. But here, David is learning that even one piece of tech is enough, if it is powerful enough, to turn your brain to mush. David David goes outside to find Lucy still there and waiting for him. She asks how he's doing, and she tells him to only use the Savizian when he really needs to. He asks if she still wants to work with him, and she's like, yo, you still gotta pay me back, dude. So, you're not going anywhere. Lucy tells them they will go, and they go back to her place. They open up some beers as Lucy lights up a cigarette. Lucy makes fun of him, saying it must be his first time drinking. And she makes him take off his jacket, and she alters the back of it to say Edge Runners on the back. He says it's, or she says it's another word for cyberpunk. David notices a recruitment poster on Lucy's wall talking of a new life on the moon, which was colonized years ago. David says that so many people died trying to make it something that it could never be. David tells Lucy all about how he was broke and his mother worked so hard to keep him in academy with the hopes that he would eventually work up the ladder at Araska. Lucy tells him that it's not a dream. Uh, It was his, his mother's dream. And he can do whatever he wants. Lucy says that her dream is to go far, far away, as far as possible, and that this city feels more like a prison than the moon ever could. She tells him she has something to show him. We then cut to the two of them lying in a bed, still fully clothed, mind you, and at first glance what looks like an open condom wrapper between them, but it's actually a BD wrapper, and we see that they're both in a brain dance. I didn't peg the show for being so well-written to have a subtle metaphor for what this kind of shared BD experience could be. And I also didn't really peg the show as being able to tell a touching love story either with everything else going on in the world. But here it is. We've got these two people that there's, even though they're cartoon characters, there's obvious attraction between the two of them. And there's enough sort of like shared trauma in their past. Uh, we don't know too much about Lucy's. So we know there's something there, uh, but David's obviously is pretty out and center there. Like dad is nowhere. Mother is dead. 
So the uh, shared brain dance experience is them on the moon surface. And it's a little different than the first brain dance we saw where you are just kind of living inside of a person. This is more like it's it's a like hollow deck construct, essentially, and the two of them are just being able to run around, interact with each other, interact with the surroundings and things like that. So it's it's definitely not like it just experiencing somebody else's emotions. It's more or less like you're doing your own thing, but at you're on the moon instead of an, on Earth. David says he can feel the sun on his face as they stand on the moon's surface. Uh, they're not wearing suits because, of course, they're not actually there. She says that she dialed down the temperature, but if he would like to, she can turn it back up and he can just burn up. They walk past some astronauts terraforming the moon, and Lucy puts her hand behind her back to get David to grab her hand. When he reaches out to her, she grabs his wrist, and they both jump, and then slowly float back down to the surface and into a moon buggy. Lucy puts it in gear and drives off, drives off as David hangs out the side of the buggy laughing. They both put on helmets, and Lucy tosses him a drink, which is gravity-free bubbly and apparently doesn't taste very good. They sit on the edge of the crater, and Lucy says this is the first time she has ever shown anyone this. He asks why, and she tells him that she thinks they will make a pretty good team. She smiles at him, and he shyly looks away. Again, like, a show with people fucking VR women is, like, generally making me feel for these two characters and being like, oh, I want to see them together. Suddenly, we hear someone yell, you fell off the edge, punk. And David wakes out of the BD, and a man in full text says that David took the chip out of him, and he is taking it back now. David looks over to see Lucy casually smoking, and then the man punches David in the face as the episode ends. It was nice, uh, such a nice moment that was just juxtaposed by him getting the shit kicked out of him again. And this series is clearly made with the intention of having every episode end with you being like, I need to watch the next one now. But, of course, we can't do that right now. But it was a very good episode, very good second episode to the series. We've now introduced Lucy. We haven't really dug into yet what the Edge Runners are, but I have a feeling that that's going to be next episode. And, of course, we already see some repercussions for David's actions, where it seems like he can't catch a break, but also he continues to put himself in these situations. So, uh, But now we have kind of our main love interest, and we have, I guess, some. We have something going on with Tanaka. And uh, yeah, we're going to get more of that coming up. So, really good episode. And uh, I look forward to the next one. So, thank you for listening. And I will see you next time. Bye bye.